Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church located in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you will hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a message from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. With God's help, we will be that church. Amen? Amen. Well, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for being here today. Welcome to those watching and worshiping online. Uh, My name is Derek, and I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration. And in just a minute, we will get into week number four of our Fresh Dream series. I want to say thanks to Eddie and Teresa Fitzpatrick for sharing some of their story. Uh, Eddie also serves on our board, so there was a lot of things he's serving on, but didn't get a chance to mention that one, apparently. But uh, also on our team going to Kazakhstan tomorrow. So um, we've uh, thanks for your prayers in advance for the team that's going. Uh, We've had uh, one that had COVID is now today off of that quarantine. Eddie threw out his back. Their daughter had been battling debilitating migraine for the last couple days. So whenever we experience that kind of uh, opposition, uh, we know we're headed in the right direction. Amen. And so uh, thanks for your prayers. We leave tomorrow and uh, meeting here at 1030. Then we'll get to Kazakhstan on Wednesday. It's kind of what happens. Yeah, get ready for that, Jeremy. That's going to be awesome. And uh, we have a couple layovers and a couple long flights, but we'll get there on Wednesday and we'll be there for a week. And then as we travel home, it's all day Wednesday coming back. So anyway, thanks for praying for us. We're just uh, believing that God will uh, do great things in us and allow us to be part of what he's doing there. We're grateful for our general superintendent, brother and sister, uh, Yurkin and Madeline Kaidorov that lead the Assemblies of God in Kazakhstan. They were with us in November last year for uh, our kick off of Missions Month and Taste of Nations, and so we look forward to being with them here this week. Uh, Well, I want to make another exciting announcement uh, before I get into today's message. I can't remember, Kurt, if it was earlier this year, maybe even last year, I was talking in a board meeting um, about just a dream, desire that I had and that we were praying together that God would allow us to have somebody to be able to join our leadership team uh, with a lot of senior pastor experience as we continue to grow. A lot of our staff is... uh, how do else do I say it? Younger and newer in ministry than I am. And I'm still a young guy. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Not as young as I feel, but, uh, uh, we were so blessed. And today we're excited to announce, uh, that we had a guest speaker in May. And today we're excited to announce that he's going to join our preaching team. And I still a full-time professor at North Central University, but they were pastors in Ohio for 28 years. Um, He served on the National Board of the Assemblies of God, and it's a joy to welcome Dr. Darnell and Charlene Williams today. So would you welcome our friends here today as they come? And uh, amen. I've asked them just to share a little bit here today. Uh, next week, Dr. Darnell is going to be preaching because I'll be in Kazakhstan. And so you'll be able to see and hear from them on a regular basis coming up. But uh, it was just a joy. Our church received your ministry in May and I called my dad and he said, well, how did it go with Darnell? I said, dad, it was awesome. He said, well, you should pray about asking them to be part of your church. And we did just that. And we've been talking since then and meeting. And today we're excited to announce that even after church, Uh, We're going to take new staff pictures. We're so excited to have you guys part of the team here at Celebration. Amen. 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 So, Dr. Darnell, please. Yeah. Thank you, Celebration. We're excited about this journey that the Lord has us on. We're glad to be a part of what God is doing here. Um, 
Pastor Derek approached us and we took it to the Lord in prayer. And there were three things that stood out to us that really pushed us to be at peace with this decision. Number one was the fact that this is a church that looks like heaven. And that was important to us. Uh, secondly is the warmth that we felt. The love, the sincerity, the concern we felt from everybody that's a part of Celebration Church. And lastly, it was clear and evident to us that the Spirit of the Lord was at work here. So we're excited. We're looking forward to serving, to serving this great couple, and uh, to just be a part of the Lord's work here. Amen. Praise the Lord. I am so thrilled to be part of this church also. I think it is a privilege and an opportunity that the Lord has given to us. I have fallen in love with this ministry also. I was at the ladies brunch brunch the other day and I tell you what, I went home on a high. It was so thrilling and exciting. The ladies were so welcoming. Several of them said, so how long have you been here? I said, wow, this is quite a unique church. So we are ready, we are willing, and we feel part of this wonderful fellowship. We have fallen in love with Pastor Derek and his dear wife also, Dana. So God bless you, and we're looking forward to giving you all that we have. Amen. 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 Come on. God bless you guys. Amen. So you'll be uh, hearing more from him even next week, but just look forward to that, and uh, it's an exciting deal. Uh, they'll continue ministering there at North Central in the pastoral ministries department, raising up next generation of ministers to uh, bring the good news to this world and uh, traveling as well with some ministry into uh, some of my friends' churches that I have said they need to receive their ministry as well. But uh, we're so glad that they'll be grounded here and uh, ministering regularly and consistently here. So it's a joy to serve with them and a blessing to my wife and I on a personal note as well. Um, let me also just mention that we've just been in this season of revival here uh, this year at Celebration. So many people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. I haven't even gotten an updated count over the last two months or so, but two months ago it was over 200 people, so I'm sure it's over 250 people now that have said yes to Jesus Christ here in services at Celebration. And so uh, now that we're in October, can you believe it? It's October. So October 29th is a fifth Sunday, so we'll have uh, Espanol joining with us, and Harrison will be leading in our multilingual worship service. Uh, but as Pastor Josh mentioned last Sunday on the video announcements, it's Scoreboard Sunday. So not only are we sharing baptisms, water baptisms, so if you are new to faith in Jesus Christ, you've not been baptized in water, that's your day. It's coming up. October 29th, you can go public saying you've been made new in Jesus. We'll have other people baptized who've been delivered. Things have been holding them down, keeping them back, and so now they're walking in newfound freedom. So you can sign up for that. I think there's probably a QR code, because Pastor David has a QR code to get to heaven, I think. I'm not sure. But he got a QR code for everything. You can sign up at the Welcome Center. Just talk to a pastor. We want to sign you up to be baptized in water. Uh, but Scoreboard Sunday, we're also going to be sharing a lot of other testimonies. You'll hear testimonies from the trip to Kazakhstan. You'll hear testimonies from people who've been delivered, people who've received provision, financial miracle in their life, physically healed. And so um, if there's a miracle that's happened in your life, you can let us know. But there's a list of things. And so I'm going to preach really short that day. 
I'm glad nobody cheered, but uh, we're going to instead use a lot of that time to share some of those testimonies. And so uh, we're looking forward to that. And uh, it's just going to be a great day, October 29th. Don't miss it. Uh, But as much as we're so thankful for what he's done, how many people believe he's not done yet, that he's still saving, he's still healing, he's still delivering, and we believe the best is yet to come. Amen? All right. Well, today we're talking about evangelism. This is our fourth dream statement, and it reads like this. In a moment, we'll read from 1 Peter chapter 3. So if you have a Bible, you can turn there. In a moment, we'll stand and read it together. But the Bible says, well, I'll read it, and you'll read it together. Anyway, um, I dream of a church where evangelism is a practical part. Somebody say practical. It's not going to be something that you can't understand, don't know what to do, need a master's degree to understand it. A practical part of everyday life that demonstrates God's love for all. That's what we're talking about today. We don't want it just to be my dream or the staff's dream, but this is our church's dream because we believe it's God's dream for us. Amen? All right, 1 Peter 3.15. If you have a Bible, you've turned there already. Would you stand to your feet? Let's read this one verse. I'll read it. You can listen. And uh, each point today on evangelism has some different verses, so we'll do a lot of reading. But we're a Bible church, and so we don't really care what I think about it. We don't really care what you think about it. We care what God thinks about it. And so we're looking to him again this week, asking the Holy Spirit to give us ears to hear what he's saying to us. Amen? All right, 1 Peter 3 and 15. The Bible says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect talking about evangelism here today. Let's pray one more time. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity we've been given to lift up the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. We ask Holy Spirit, make us more like him. Help us leave less like ourselves and more like Jesus with a burden for those who are lost. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Well, I firmly believe we need the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I was hoping more than nine people would agree with that declaration because it is true. So therefore, I'm going to say it again. Just give you one more opportunity. Maybe you thought I was going to tell a joke or say something you didn't agree with. But now that you've heard it and it's sunk in, let me repeat it. And I pray that you can say amen. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We can't do this on our own. There's no cheat sheet. There's not an amount of tips or training that we can go through to replace our dependency upon him. For he is the Holy Spirit. He is the helper that Jesus said his father would give. And so it's that help that we need to carry out our call as believers in evangelism. It's not just for the pastors. It's not just for the church leaders. This is for believers. We believe the help of the Holy Spirit is available to everybody. Because Jesus said, what, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but you will receive power. I believe it would be appropriate for you to personalize that and say, but I will receive power. Because you and I are the same as those who he was speaking to. We will receive power when we receive the Holy Spirit. You can't receive the Holy Spirit and not receive power. If you've received the Holy Spirit, you can't be a wimpy believer. At least you shouldn't be a wimpy believer. Some of you are like, watch me, pastor. 
I am, but I'm just saying, come on. If you've received the help of the Holy Spirit, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. This is not power to uh, be a bodybuilder. This is not power to win friends and influence people. This is power to be a witness for Jesus. The most important thing you can do in this life is to be a faithful witness for Jesus in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, I know so many people, you continue to come every week. And last year, uh, we focused, I did a seven-week series on the ministry of the Holy Spirit called And. So if you weren't here for that, you could go back and watch it. If you were here for that, you've probably forgotten about it. So you can go back and watch it too. Don't feel bad. Some of our staff forgot it. They were like, when was that? I'm like, come on, every year we talk about the help of the Holy Spirit. Come on, the Holy Spirit should impact, should help us in our daily lives, not just the days we go to church. Not just the days we get together with other people to pray. The Holy Spirit ought to help us in going to school and going to work and leading our business and leading in our home. The Holy Spirit has implication for every area of our life, not just church service. And Jesus knew we would need help to bring the gospel to all people. And therefore he said, we'll receive the helper who is the Holy Spirit. And so today, although uh, one of the great gifts of the Holy Spirit is a personal prayer language, speaking in an unknown tongue, speaking in uh, different tongues, I'm not really going to talk so much today about speaking in tongues as much as I am the way you live, the way you witness for Jesus 24 7. 365, 168 hours in the week, right? How we're living as witnesses to those in our local community, cross-culturally, and even around the world. And by the way, I would just echo that, Pastor Josiah, which you mentioned. I don't know if anybody did raise their hand or not, but even if you did or you continue to pray, they're like, yeah, that was me. We would love for, to talk to you, whether it's after service throughout the week. And that's one of the things we continue to pray, that God will call forth laborers to go out into the harvest field. And so we're here uh, for that as well. So we've got a parenting resource as well on evangelism. Last month, if you didn't get that, you're a primary caregiver, parent, uh, whatever, um, and you didn't get that, Email Ryan at celebrationchurch.net. We want to make sure you get that resource as well. All right, on your note sheet, number one, if we're going to get better at evangelism, how many people think the church of Jesus Christ, especially here in America, needs to get better at evangelism? If you don't think that, you're wrong. And just say that like equivocally, right? And like Elizabeth, like, hey, just says it how he feels it. That's a fact. I'm just telling you right now. The church, universal, but I believe each of us can get better, more effective at evangelism. Number one, we've got to love compassionately. This is important. This is way before we explain to you a tip, a trick, or something to say, this flashcard. No, no, we've got to love compassionately. Right? This is what Jesus, we read about him, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 36. It says, when Jesus saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I believe this is where evangelism really begins. It's in our hearts. It's not just in our head where we take an evangelism class and we learn how to do it. It's the heart where we feel the why because they're harassed and helpless. They're sheep without a shepherd. It's in our heart where we have compassion because people still need 
Jesus. I would say if we don't have the same love for people that Jesus had for them, this whole thing about evangelism will just become rules and regulations. It'll turn into a spiritual checklist of things to do or say to lost people, to them, really in an effort to feel better about ourselves. But if we'll have compassion, I believe this heartfelt compassion for people is an overflow from our time in prayer. So really this point is about love compassionately, but I believe it could really be about how we pray. Specifically praying for those who feel far from God. One sin or many sins separates us just as far, but there are people who feel far away. I'm so grateful that God sent Jesus to take every step but one, right? We just need to take that one step to receive his forgiveness. But you know, there are plenty of people, maybe in your family, in your neighborhood, at your place of work that feel so far from him. I believe if we'll spend time in prayer for them, we'll speak far fewer careless words about them. Look at the difference between Jesus looking at them The crowds, he had compassion on them. He would weep with people. He he had care and concern. And then we read about a religious leader, a Pharisee in Luke chapter 18. And the Bible says he prayed out loud in front of everybody. He said, oh God, I thank you that I'm not like them. You could feel the finger pointing in his prayer, couldn't you? No show of hands in the room today, but how many of us would regretfully admit, along with me, that there are too many times in my life that my prayers sounded more like the Pharisee than like Jesus. But the truth is all of us felt far from God at one time. All of us had sin that separated us from him, and yet it was Jesus who looked upon them with compassion. Now, we're a praying church. We believe in the power of prayer. We pray on our own. We pray together. Prayer gathering on Wednesday nights is a highlight, a rally point for us. It sets the tone for all of our ministries and all of our missions endeavors. We pray over every prayer request that's turned in. We pray over every need that's mentioned. We don't just talk about prayer or ways that you could pray. We actually pray. And when we pray, I've never heard Pastor Vicente say, now when we pray, let's thank God that we're not like them. Uh, That's a good thing for Pastor Vicente not to do. (laughs) The Bible says it this way in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. I thought about Matthew 1, 2, 3, 4. Easy to remember. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I think it would be fair to say a takeaway of that would be out of the abundance of our prayers, our words are formed. I think we can check how we've been praying by the words we've been saying. If we're continually talking about those people and them and... I believe Jesus had spent a lot of time praying for people. Why do we know this? The Bible says he came to seek and save those who were lost. (laughs) And when he saw me, he had compassion on them. Boy, it's been a heart check for me this week. If we want to get better at evangelism, if we need more people to meet Jesus, it's going to begin with us, and it's got to begin in our heart. We've got to love compassionately. Why? Because people are still harassed and helpless. People are still sheep without a shepherd. They still need Jesus. 
And I believe that we're the key because we're the ones that God has chosen to use as his representatives in these days. So we need to love like Jesus and be filled with compassion. Number two, after we begin to love compassionately, we need to live differently. We need to live differently. 1 Peter 3.15, we read that already, kind of as our theme verse for the day. I love how the verse starts. I think it's a perfect transition for us, moving from love compassionately to live differently. He says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. I'm telling you, friends, if we're going to become more effective at evangelism, it's got to begin in our hearts. And we've got to revere him as Lord. Far too many people more often in our nation than around the world, enjoy Jesus as their Savior and not nearly as much as their Lord. We like to be forgiven. We like to be set free, but then we want to do whatever we want to do. We don't want to go to hell. We want to go to heaven, but we want to live how we want to here on earth. I believe if we revered Jesus as Lord, it would make living differently a whole lot easier. The daily lordship of Jesus in our lives will make it very clear to others that we're living differently. It's not so much that I can't, it's that I won't. We've talked about that. We can, but we, we're living to a higher call. We're living according to Jesus as our Lord. And I believe if we live differently, we see here the instruction is always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. Always be prepared to give an answer to those who ask. I'll just give you this additional revelation for you today. We're not going to receive another offering. You don't have to pay for it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. <laughs> If uh, the question is, are we living differently enough so that other people will actually ask us about our faith? Or are we living just like everybody else? If there's no difference, they probably won't have any questions. <laughs> but it's when we live differently, when we have hope in dark days, that I believe it makes people ask a question, how in the world do you still have joy? <laughs> How do you have peace? It's living differently. One of the ways that those first century believers lived differently is they were really committed. They, they had committed faith, not just convenient faith. Of course, we would know other leaders in the church. They'd be martyred for their faith. But even those that weren't martyred for their faith lived differently every day with their faith. The Bible says in the book of Acts, we'll get to this in a couple more weeks, but they gathered together, they broke bread, people were saved daily. Like, what was going on? They were committed to Scripture. Have you noticed a lack of commitment to Scripture these days? Like the parts that we don't like, that don't make us feel good, that require change, we're like, oh, that's, that's context. That's not what God really meant. I, I feel like... Humans have gotten more smarter than God in the last five years than in 2,000 years combined. I use quotes because I don't think we're actually getting smarter than God, by the way. Some of you are like, oh, yeah, I, I agree. That's, you should not agree with that. But I've heard more stuff where it's like, well, God didn't really mean that. And I'm just going, 
For 2,000 years, theologians and church participants, church history would tell us this is what we've believed. And all of a sudden, with Google, we got Wikipedia, which is not a reliable news source, by the way. Very few options that are, if any. Everybody's trying to sell something, right? But, but we go back and say, this, this is, they were committed to Scripture. They were committed to getting together with one another. Have you noticed in our society how easy it is to come from within our garage or from our door? And, you know, it used to be growing up, I knew, we all knew the neighbors and I would go right around. Now people don't know each other. We know about each other, which is very different than knowing each other. We've seen pictures on social media of what vacation you went on, but we don't know each other. We've become far more self-sufficient. Whereas first century believers were committed to community. They recognized that it's real difficult to fulfill all the one another commands of scripture on their own. So they were in radical community. They met together. The Bible says people got saved every day. Now we've reduced salvation to wait till the next church service and hopefully the pastor prays the prayer. Welcome to Celebration, Darnell and Charlene. That's awesome. Great to have you here. (laughs) I think one of the ways that we can live differently is to go back to radical levels of commitment like the believers once had. Instead of debating Scripture, let's just be committed to Scripture. When we don't understand what it says, let's keep praying, let's keep asking, let's come along a seasoned saint that's been there, done that, and can say, can you help me out? Instead of just saying, I can get by on my own, maybe everything in your life is great. Would we be committed to community and help other people who are struggling to get through life? <laughs> they don't know what's going on. Maybe you just fig- you've got it all figured out. Help somebody, one of us that doesn't have it all figured out, right? We need each other. Let's live differently. I think here in America, I think one of the ways we can live differently is by daily being willing to share our faith. People will take notice. Then he goes on to say, but do so with gentleness and respect. I think this is so important. It says, always be ready to give an answer to everyone who asks for the reason for the hope that you have. If you got hope, have a reason. Be ready to talk about it. But he says, do it with gentleness and respect. I think he was writing about social media right back then. He wasn't, okay? I'm well aware there was no internet back then. Uh, But I'm just saying, friends, in our interactions with other people, let's do it with gentleness and respect, right? When we disagree with others on any topic, let's do so with gentleness and respect. When we interact with others on social media, let's do so with gentleness and respect. Now, just for clarity, gentleness and respect is not the same as being a pushover, Right, especially in this world that seems to get crazier and crazier every day. Remember in May, Dr. Darnell said, our society doesn't even know what a woman is anymore. I didn't say that, Dr. Darnell did. By the way, if you wanna send him an email, it's darnell at celebrationchurch.net. Send him an email, he'll get an appointment for you, it'll be awesome. Praise the Lord. 
D-A-R-N-E-L-L at celebrationchurch.net. Come on, we cannot afford to be pushovers in this day. But we also cannot afford to lack gentleness and respect. We can be firm with our convictions. We can boldly speak the truth as we'll get to, but we don't need to be a jerk about it with gentleness and respect. By the way, I think operating with gentleness and respect is one of the big ways we can live differently today. You know, there was a time in our nation where gentleness and respect were shared common values. You wanna be different? Be gentle and respectful. People don't even know what to do if you hold the door open anymore and say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. Like, what's going on with you? Gentleness and respect. You'll be different. You'll stand out. It'll be awesome. And I believe when we live differently, then people will eventually ask a question. But we need to live differently. Number three is speak clearly. By the way, I, I believe these are all kind of building on each other. If we jump right to speaking clearly, telling everybody what we think, even what the Bible says, and our lives are not in accordance with God's word, we're not living differently, we're not filled with loving compassionately, this is where we have a problem. And people are like, ooh, I don't, I don't like that. Well, they maybe shouldn't, you know? We gotta live, uh, have things lined up in our life. He says, speak clearly. I believe one of the reasons that we've become ineffective at evangelism is because we don't even speak clearly. We've so complicated the gospel. We make them memorize a bunch of things and give a certain offering and join a certain church and vote for a certain person. Like we, we've added a whole lot of things to the list of how to get to heaven that really aren't in the Bible. Let me just show you. Let me break. There's three simple ways. Romans chapter 10 and verse nine. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. What is that? That's repentance. By the way, you cannot be saved, you cannot be forgiven if you do not repent. You've gotta repent of sin. Sin is more than an oopsies, an accident, or my bad, I need a do-over. Sin separates us from God. The Bible says that there's a way that seems right in a man, but in the end it leads to death. That's the way that our sins are leading us. But if we will repent, we confess with our mouth. By the way, it doesn't say, it just says that Jesus is Lord. It doesn't say, um, you got to know everything in the Bible. Doesn't say you got to know everything that'll happen in end times. Just Jesus is Lord. You got to repent. The next thing he says, you got to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. What is that? Put your faith in him. Then it says, number three, you'll be saved. Did you notice? There's no Romans 10, 9 additional amplified in parentheses that, you know, you join this church or vote for this person or give this much money or do this many good deeds. He's like, if you just repent, put your faith in Jesus, then you'll be saved. Now I understand, friends, that when we repent, we turn from our wicked ways, when we put our faith in him, eventually it will bring about changes in our life. I'm well aware of it. I went to Bible college. Thank you for clarifying it for me. I get it. But why is it that we rush so many things and add to the list when Paul in his letter to the church in Rome didn't. Can we let somebody get saved before we explain to them the ways in which we want them to change? Yeah. 
I get it, there's a lot more stuff to learn, but we've overcomplicated. I think it's one of the reasons why many people aren't an active participant in evangelism. You're like, I don't know all the answers. That's okay, we're gonna help you with that. So we got a good friend, member of the church, David Entler's coming at this time to share a little bit. Can you put your hands together and welcome David here this morning? David uh, has shared a little bit here, Wednesday nights, different things. How long have you been at Celebration Church? Just over a year. Just over a year, David and his wife, and a great guy, not a pastor. Nope. Nope. Uh, an accountant? Yes, I'm an accountant. But a saved accountant. Yeah. Saved accountant. Yeah, okay, yeah. I just, just wanted to clarify, you know what I mean? I wasn't sure, but uh, anyway, so, I mean, I was sure because I know you, but David has, you've got great passion for personal evangelism. You, you live this out in ways that's inspiring to me. We'll, we'll message back and forth, and I'm telling you, keep going because you're inspiring me. And so I just want to say publicly thank you for inspiring others, for inspiring me, but most of all, just saying yes to what Jesus has asked you to do. Uh, but really, he's not just asked you to do that. He's asked all of us, hasn't he? He has, yes. And so we want to just talk about some simple, like maybe some people are saying, I don't even know where to begin. Let's talk about that. Now, you participate in some kind of regular, sometimes you might go out on evangelism outreach and some people have joined you and other things and that's available. People could still go with you, talk with you, learn. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But also it doesn't have to be something scheduled on the calendar, does it? It does not just like a regular part, any conversation. So these things that you're gonna talk about would work if they're talking to a coworker. Yes. Uh, a neighbor. Right. Somebody at their school. Right. Their spouse. Uh-huh. Uh, anybody else? I'm not sure. If they're a person, right, it'll work, right? So. Yeah. Uber driver. Uber driver, okay, that's yeah. good. What about Lyft? Is that so, okay. That, that works too. I fly on Delta and that Lyft has a partnership. I want my four miles. Anyway, okay, so talk to us. Keep it simple for us, and I believe it is for you. So explain to us how in the world, like when we meet at prayer, sometimes you're like, I talk with these people, these people, these people, these people, they all are praying about, and we're all like, wow, what is David doing? How's he talking to so many people about Jesus? And like, they're talking with him. Explain to us, like, are you on a street corner with a megaphone and a billboard yelling at everybody? What's going on? Not at all. Okay, thank I, you. Uh, this I, was going to be an awkward <laughs> sermon illustration if it was. You're like, repent or turn or burn. You know, the Lord bless those people, but that's not how we want to roll. Okay, come on, David, talk to us. What's the simple, just make it real simple. Three, four, five things. Help us out. All right. Well, first of all, I'm just not afraid to open a conversation with somebody. When I open a conversation with somebody, I want to ask them questions. I want to get to know them. And one of the questions I always want to ask is, hey, do you have any spiritual beliefs? Would you tell me what they are? By the way, I just want to pause Notice what he said there. He said he's going to ask a question. By the way, this will help you in non-evangelism conversations as well. People love to be asked about themselves. What do you like? What do you think? We might have more conversations if we began with more questions instead of statements. All right, back to evangelism. All right, David, there you go. Okay, so I want to be genuinely interested in who they are and what they believe. So I ask them to share their spiritual beliefs, and then I listen. I listen carefully without interrupting them. And I'll, Why do you look at me when you said that? <laughs> I'm the pastor. It's my job to interrupt. It's in my, my job portfolio. Anyway, keep going. Yeah, but I mean, I, 
no matter what they say, and I've heard a lot of weird things, but... So I, have I. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were talking about pastoring again. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> but whatever they believe, I, I just let them share all the way through very carefully. And then uh, I thank them for sharing what they believe. And then I'm not afraid to say, and here's what I believe. And I will talk about the idea that, you know, God created us in his image, wants to have a relationship with him, and that God specifically revealed himself through the Bible. And I tell them, you know, I know not everybody believes that, but I believe that, and there's good reasons to believe that. And then I'll also talk about the person and work of Jesus Christ. And specifically, I like to emphasize the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And I'll tell them there's compelling evidence that it's a real historical event. It's not a, sta a story from history, not a fable. It's a real historical event. And then often I ask people, hey, listen, you know, if, if Jesus really did rise from the dead, do you believe what he would have to say is important? And nearly always they're going to say yes. By the way, that's another question. Are you catching a recurring theme? Asking questions. Right. Not and, interrupting. Yeah. And so if, if, if they show an interest in, in learning more about Jesus, I, I usually carry with me like the pocket edition of the Gospel of John. I'll hand that out to them. And then if, you know, the opportunity presents itself, I'll just share my, my personal testimony, my walk with Jesus, telling them, you know, I've, I've been walking with the Lord for 37 years. He's transformed my life. He's real. He answers prayer. I, I mean, I'll let the Holy Spirit lead, guide, direct the conversation. Uh, most of these conversations are fairly short. Uh, sometimes people want me to share at length, and I'll be happy to do that. Um, but uh, I just follow the Spirit's prompting. And uh, I'm really, I'm trying to plant seeds about Jesus, about God and his word. And so often, this is, this is new to people. Like, they haven't heard this before. So I, I am planting a seed, hoping that, you know, the Holy Spirit will then do something with it. So let me, let me recap some things. Let me just ask you a question. You said it's very short. So how many of these, like, would a normal conversation be an hour? Or what's short mean to you? Probably most of my conversations are like five minutes or less. All right. How many people feel like you might be able to give God five minutes at some point? I'm going to receive your non-hand raised by some of you as an agreement anyway, because I see you. All right, so it's a short deal. Uh, let me say some things out of order. One, you were asking questions, so that's creating a conversation. Right. More than just telling them you're wrong, you're dumb, you don't know what you're talking about, I'm the perfect answer man, you ask questions and create a conversation. Absolutely. So that, that's big for us in America, and as American Christians, right? We're ten, like we, technically, we do know the answer. His name is Jesus. And yet, there's something about creating a conversation through asking questions. The next thing you said, though, was genuinely care, which I would kind of move that to the initial one, which is actually spending time in prayer for whoever you're going to talk with. I do. And believe me, I pray for opportunities. Yeah. I, I pray that the Lord will give me those divine appointments. So, so that prayer is there so that people can tell you're not angry on a street corner. No, not at all. You have genuine concern. You're asking a question. Now, let me just say, uh, ask you this question, trying to get better at this. Um, how many times did you have to list all the books of the Bible in order, all 66 of them in perfect order in order for these people to have a conversation? Never once. Well, look at that right there. We so worry sometimes. We're like, oh, I don't know everything. The truth is they probably know less. So the good news, it's going to be all right. Like, think about it, right? We, the devil will say that to us. And then, and you're just, I love the way you ended. You're just trying to plant a seed. Right. In other words, you're just trying to do your part. We yes. read in scripture, some planted, some watered, but God is the one who brings the increase. 
I think one of the things that holds many of us Christians in America back is our desire to start a project and finish it. And we're like, we got to get them saved now. Now we know the Lord could come back and today is the day of salvation. So that's not to say we want to withhold answers if people are asking, but we need to become comfortable in simply doing our part in what the Holy Spirit is already at work in their lives. Amen. Amen. Anything else you want to add to that, David? I just want to encourage people not to be afraid to open a conversation, not be afraid to ask that question. Hey, what are your spiritual beliefs? Listen carefully and then genuinely share what you believe about Jesus. Most people are open and receptive, vast majority, 75, 80% are very open to these type of conversations. So take a chance, be willing, just do it. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, David. Come on, can we give it up for him one more time here today? And I think those percentages increase dramatically when we have a conversation out of genuine care and concern. All right, number four, and I close with this, go boldly. This is all of us, and this is how we're going to pray today when we end. Go boldly. Each and every personality type, each and every person, spiritual gift, we're going to go boldly. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's going with us. Uh, Jesus said it this way, Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 and 8, as you go. That's everybody. That's not just me. That's not just, right? We're all, as you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Isn't that good? That Jesus came to us. And then I love this. We involve or we include not just words, but acts of power, demonstrations of the kingdom. This is what we're praying for. It says, heal the sick. Raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. This is what Jesus expects from his followers. Do you want me to read it again? Because some of you are unconvinced. Oh, no, that was just... No, I'm telling you, this is everybody. This is what Jesus... He's given us the help of the Holy Spirit. This is what he believes. Go wherever you go as you meet needs. Don't just wait for them to come to you. As you go, heal the sick. Don't just invite them to church next Sunday and hope we have prayer partners. You have the same access to the throne room of heaven that we do. Right there, you could pray and heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you've received, therefore freely give. So many people shy away from sharing uh, the good news, evangelism. And let me just give you a couple of personality traits. Some of you might be recognizing this. A year ago, I talked a lot more about this in a whole sermon, but let me just summarize for the sake of time. And then I'm gonna pray. We're gonna pray for boldness for uh, everybody here at Celebration. I I really believe in the body of Christ and uh, we're gonna pray that together. But let me just give you some hypothetical people, but a lot of them sound like Norwegians to me. Non-confrontational Nick. Now, if your name's Nick, I wasn't thinking about you. Last year, this was non-confrontational Nate, all right? I changed it up. It's way different. (laughs) Kind of the same. Non-confrontational Nick, he says things like, I don't want to argue with people about whose religion is right or wrong. He grew up in a family that was always arguing, and now he hates conflict. His life motto is, can't we all just get along? But the truth is, it's godly to argue for Jesus, not for your football team or your political candidate or whatever else, even for your pastor, but for Jesus. Second Corinthians 10.5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We could do it with gentleness and respect, but we don't need to be a pushover. 
We're called to be peacemakers. But peacemakers is different than peace enjoyers. Peacemakers don't make peace by avoiding arguments, but rather speaking the truth in love, helping people find peace with God. Here's a controversial statement, non-confrontational, Nick. John 14, 6, it was Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. What if you don't like it? It doesn't matter. Either Jesus is right or he's a liar. Somebody like, oh, well, well, what does that mean for some of a different religion? What if they're a Muslim or a Buddhist or a Hindu? Are they wrong? Yes. You don't have to send me an email about that. You can send that to Jesus if you'd like. That's what he said. He's the way to the Father. It would be a shame for us not to tell somebody they're on the way that's leading to death. If you were driving the wrong way on 35, it would be helpful for someone to be like, turn around. (laughs) We wouldn't be like, oh, isn't that fun? He's going the wrong way. I guess he's having a good time. Let him pick for himself. (laughs) Not only is he in danger, he's putting other people in danger. And when people are on the wrong way that's leading to death, the most kind and loving thing we can do is to let them know that Jesus is the way. Amen? All right. Nick's cousin, Polite Paula. These are all made up, by the way. Again, if your name's Paula, thanks for coming today. I'm not talking about you, but this is funny. I wrote in my notes. She says, I don't want to offend people. I might be offending you if your name's Paula right now. But again, wasn't thinking about you when it was written, okay? So uh, she's the nicest girl. She was voted uh, nicest girl in her class, but nobody knows she's a believer. She says, oh, my faith is just a personal one. In fact, we live now in a time where the world thinks offending someone else is the greatest sin you can commit. Saying that someone else is wrong is worse than being wrong. Imagine that. But take it from somebody who offends people almost weekly. It's not that bad. (laughs) You keep coming back. People get over it. But if we have a true heart that's filled with love and compassion for them, that a confrontational message will help a little bit more. Um, Jesus' message might be offensive, but our, our methodology or our mannerisms don't have to be. But 1 Peter 2, 7 and 8 says, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. Sometimes stuff will make people be like, oh, that was uncomfortable. I don't like how that feels. Jesus told a bunch of hard-hearted religious dudes, Pharisees, that they were dirty snakes. I'm sure that message was offensive. I'm sure they needed a safe space. Like whatever, you know, like Jesus said something mean to me. That was truthful and they needed to hear it even if they didn't like it. So when you tell someone who thinks they're a good person because they volunteer weekly at a rescue shelter that without Christ, they're on their way to hell, that might be offensive to them but it'll help them and it'll be received well if you have a heart filled with compassion. Uh, How about a distant family member, Comfy Cameron? Last service, it was Comfy Carl and I just couldn't help but think of Pastor Carl Lindelin, so I changed it right now. Comfy Carl wrote it in, uh, sorry, Comfy Cameron. See, I did it again, printed notes. Comfy Cameron. If your name's Cameron, thanks for being here today. Not talking about you, but it might be. Uh, Comfy Cameron hates awkward situations. 
Cameron struggles with insecurity and constantly wonders if people like him. Thinks, well, if I share Jesus, it might get awkward. It might, probably will, and that's okay. Or it won't, either way, doesn't matter. <laughs> we sometimes worry, should we? Oh, no, listen, it's okay. Telling people about Jesus, the righteousness of God in you, if you're living differently, might make them feel awkward just being around you. We read all the time how Jesus hung out with sinners, prostitutes, drunkards, all the kinds of stuff. And what happened? They, they noticed something was different. He called them to a higher level of living and they turned, they changed after spending time with him. But what would be even more awkward is if one day we're there for the judgment throne and people that we had relationship with and we never told about Jesus, and then they look at us when Jesus says, depart, I never knew you, and they look at us like, why didn't you tell me? That'd be awkward. Be awkward if we don't follow him ourselves. Jesus said, Matthew 10, whoever disowns me before others, I'll disown before my Father in heaven. So we don't want to get to heaven and realize, ooh, that was a problem, bummer, I wish I would have told him. Talk about feeling eternally awkward. I don't know how that fits in my theology because we won't have sorrow in heaven, but I can't help but think we're gonna wish we had done something for those that God gave us relationship. All right, two more, and then I'm gonna pray because I know we're gonna watch the Vikings lose again. Or, are we playing today? I didn't even look anymore. We are. Pastor Dan was such sorrow of six decades of fight. He was like, we do. <laughs> I think we're gonna win when we play the Bears, though. They're worse than we are. That's great. Um, and if you're a Bears fan, that's true, okay? Just get over it. We've almost won all three weeks, almost Thou persuadeth me to become a Christian, but almost doesn't count. Guilty Gertrude. If your name is Gertrude, welcome to celebration. You, uh, I'm not talking about you, but guilty Gertrude feels like, well, I'm not qualified to represent Jesus. I, I still make mistakes. I, I, I show up to church and I worship, but man, I just feel like I might let him down. First Timothy 1.15 says, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Jesus came into the world to save sinners of which I am the worst of all of them. Paul was telling Timothy, I've been following Jesus for a while, but I still don't have it all figured out. I think it's far less hypocritical to be someone who recognizes you've still got shortcomings, failures, still sin, rather than the one who says, I'm perfect and I've got it all figured out. Because the truth is, we know none of us are perfect. And we know we don't all have it figured out. Romans 10 didn't say how beautiful are the feet of those who have clean feet. <laughs> or new shoes, but it's the beautiful of the feet who bring good news. Beauty isn't based on the messenger's life, but on the message the messenger brings. And the last one, confused Chris. There's probably a lot of Chris's confused, I don't know, whatever, it doesn't matter. You're like, I don't know what to say. Well, watch David's testimony again, whatever you can say. I know a lot of people are like, you're never gonna have the right answer to every question. But let me just say an acceptable answer to every question could be, I don't know yet. Let's find out together. But just because you don't know the answer to every question doesn't mean you shouldn't start. Doesn't mean you couldn't have a few answers to a few questions, right? Our theme verse today, 1 Peter 3, 5, always be prepared to give an answer 
If nothing else, it says about the reason for the hope that you have. You don't have to know all the end times answers to be able to give a reason for the hope that you have in Jesus. You don't have to have every bit of church history memorized to be able to give an answer for the hope you have in Jesus. By the way, you don't have to know why bad things happen to good people to be able to give an answer for the hope you have in Jesus. All you have to know is why have you trusted your life to him? Why do you continue to put your hope in him? Do it with gentleness and respect. My overall summary, I mentioned it earlier, anyone and everyone can and should go boldly because the Holy Spirit is with you. I wanna pray in a moment uh, that we would all go boldly, but I just was so encouraged on uh, Wednesday, I was still finishing up a prayer and fasting retreat up at our district campground uh, in Alexandria at Lake Geneva Christian Camp. And, uh, but I was getting reports, seeing pictures, not only from our, our daughters, but uh, students in our youth ministry, junior high, our middle school, junior high, high school students. It's something called See You at the Pole. It's been going on for a couple decades. I remember doing it as a student. And they get up early and they go meet for prayer, worship, devotional, right around the flagpole. Most of the time, the flagpole is kind of between the parking lot and the school. What it means is that all the other students and faculty are coming to work or coming to school, they see them. How many people know that takes boldness to go stand in front of your friends, in front of your peers, in front of everybody, right? Now, growing up, I, went, I was homeschooled, I went to a private Christian school, and I went to public school. So don't take this joke the wrong way. But I also saw pictures on Wednesday of some homeschool kids around their mailbox. They put up their flag on the mailbox, and they were holding hands with their mom. It was awesome. They were out there too. See at the flagpole. <laughs> Don't send me an email. I was homeschooled too. I did it that way, all right? Just save it, save it for somebody else. Darnell at celebrationchurch.net. Send it to him. But I was so encouraged hearing about students coming on Wednesday and giving their lives to Jesus Christ. But let me just say this. I don't want it just to be our students that are going with boldness. I don't want it just to be students in a season where they're in junior high and high school and then when they become an adult, they learn better and they tone down their boldness for Jesus. I'm praying for a boldness revolution in the body of Christ. To people we work with, to people in our neighborhood. Not being mean, not being rude, of course, gentleness and respect, but I'm praying for boldness to return to the people of God like it was in that first century church. Those early believers, they were filled with boldness. They just believed because their savior died and rose again, they could see their cities changed. And they were in fact changed for the glory of God. And I'm gonna pray that for us today. I'm actually gonna pray day one and ask you to pray this prayer every day this week. Heard about it from another pastor who said he was in a room full of men, but I share this with men and women, that for the next seven days, I'm asking that we all pray a simple prayer. That's very dangerous. Simple to remember. God, make me bold. It's four words. God, make me bold. I don't know how it's gonna impact your life. I don't know how it's gonna impact your family, but that's what I'm praying today. I'm gonna pray it for us corporately, and I'm asking that we would all pray it together. And I look forward to hearing reports of what God speaks to us, puts in front of us to do with boldness for him. Amen? If you're able, would you stand to your feet here this morning and then you can bow your head and close your eyes. I'm gonna pray for us. Every person here watching online, I'm gonna pray that God would make 
us bold. We're going to Kazakhstan, but, but you might be going home or you might be going to work, wherever it is. God, make us bold. So Father, we come to you on behalf of my dear brothers and sisters, those who call this church home, watching as well through the gift of technology. And we're praying today and then every day this week with faith, Holy Spirit, help us. And we pray, God, make me bold. I, we're believing for bold fathers and bold husbands and bold mothers and bold wives and bold students. And God, make me bold. Not for my own fame, not for my own glory, but because the Holy Spirit is with us. We know when we go to our schools, to our place of work, to our neighborhoods, to the grocery store, to the gas station, God, make us bold. For there are still countless people who are harassed and helpless. They're sheep without a shepherd. And we say our hearts are broken for them. Our hearts are filled with compassion for them. And so today our response is to pray, God, make us bold. And we thank you in advance for what you're going to do. We don't know exactly what it is, but we know it's going to be good. And we believe your kingdom will advance because of what you're going to allow us to be part of. And so today we pray on day one and then every day this week, God, make me bold. And we thank you for the privilege of serving you. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or the 10th time, reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week.